Welcome back, everybody, to the CNC Replay. I'm Noel. I'm Corey, and welcome to Late Night CNC Replay. We are recording this at 11.04. And Corey <laughs> is once again in a different house. Once again in a different spot. I've broken my own record of different recording <laughs> spots, uh, and this time I have a dog with me. Um, her name is Macy. This is my boss's dog. Um, I'm house-sitting for them and watching uh, their precious child. But they have more children. They're just all together on a family vacation. So, uh, yeah. So I get to watch the dog and sit in their house and eat their uh, gushers fruit snacks. They said, "Wow, I could, what so. a what a throwback to like fifth grade." Dude, they're so okay. So like, I I don't know if it's like just the tropical ones, but the tropical what? What do you want? She so this this dog is she's pretty needy. So she's I've been petting her for a little right bit. in your face. <laughs> she's she's right in my face, and when I stop petting her, she like sticks her nose right in my hand. Um, so, but it's fine because she's cute and nice. So if you um, hear um, some nice slobber ASMR moments, uh, that's Macy. We apologize for that. That's not going to go away. Yeah, I can't I can't really help that. So unfortunately, um, but what was I saying? Yeah, like the tropical gushers are never like super hard. Like they're nice and chewy. And whatever, but like the strawberry ones always get very, very hard. I truly don't think I've ever had a gusher that's not rock hard. Not rock hard, but like it takes a minute. Yeah. It, but these, A1, not the steak sauce, but just in general. But, okay. Um, so yeah. Uh, so welcome to Late Night Podcast. <laughs> everything everything could get off the very Off unhinged. the rails because yeah. my eyes are almost shut. But oh, we'll fa- we'll see if this happens. No, I'm like I'm fine. I'm usually up at this hour. I just don't know what it is about today. Okay. Very good. Anyways, what are we talking about? Lions. What are we first. talking about? We got to talk about the lions. Our dumb, dumb beloved lions. Dumb franchise. Oh man. Like, I I said this legitimately in the beginning of the season. Um. This team was not going to be good, and like we've we've seen we've seen more than enough uh, opportunities for them to improve, which they have. But now they are hit by the injury bug. Um, they have players straight up not wanting to play for them anymore. So Jamie Collins, they were actively trying to seek a trade for him, um, and they couldn't because it's like, oh, you're actively trying to seek a trade for him, so we're not going to trade you anything. So they just cut him. So he's gonna go sign someplace else. I don't. I I think he signs. I love giving I away know. free assets. And, and like, it's not like he's like a complete game changer, but like that's also like a, an NFL talent. I mean, he's been in the. He's a veteran. He's been in the league for quite some time. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Um, and it, it, I I said to everybody, this team is going to start own four, and their best chance for a win will be against the Chicago Bears in in their first four weeks. Lo and, and? behold. <laughs> Lo and behold, I guess I was wrong because they almost beat the Ravens. But still, I was like, if they don't beat the Bears, we're gonna we're gonna tell very quickly how how this season's gonna go. Now, I I don't want to sit here and say I don't think Dan Campbell is the man for the job. I, I think it's too early to call because they are playing somewhat competitively, and it's much different than Patricia's teams that just flat out quit. Like this team doesn't necessarily quit. Yeah. Which, uh, like I said a couple weeks ago, and like we agreed on a couple weeks ago, that that narrative of not quitting, never backing down, that's going to get old real fast. Like we're going to need to see some sort of results. And uh, the positives, 
Penny Sewell's great. They have to see what they're going to do, whether they're going to take him from left tackle to right tackle. We talked about that last week. Uh, they aren't turning the ball over very much, which is kind of the design of their offense. It's very short passes, protecting the ball. And so they've done a pretty good job at that. Um, or I shouldn't say they haven't turned the ball over because they turned the ball over a couple times in this Bears game, but that was due to Lions being Lions. I think the clip that's floating around social media is Jared Goff going up to the line and making an audible and Ragnar just hiking the ball into his crotch um, mm-hmm. and, and then bouncing off of his crotch into the into the Chicago Bears uh, defensive tackle's hands for an interception. Uh, right. I think something like that happened twice in that game, maybe. Like yeah, fumble, I didn't get to watch the full thing, so I couldn't tell you. A fumble or whatnot. Um, but I think the thing that people have been talking about has have been the play calling in the red zone um, by Campbell and his crew, yes. um, which is a little suspect because if you kick field goals, then that the complexion of that game is much different, um, especially when you're on the road against a division rival. Um, so... People say they like the aggressiveness, but you're also going to need to cash in on some of those opportunities. But as everything with this team is new, and as you're going to see improvement, Campbell's a brand new coach. So a brand new coach being he's never had coached before. This is this is a little bit, I guess it's not different because Patricia was a brand new head coach. But what I guess the question is, what's the what's the honeymoon period? Uh, is it a, honestly, is it a, I, is it a game like to work these kinks out and mm-hmm. and and figure it out, Macy? You're gonna have to go away. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Macy is now taking over as Corey's uh, part of the podcast. <laughs> go. go over there. Yeah. Um, so, like, what's the what's the yeah what's the honeymoon period? Uh, how how many times are you gonna let? And I'm not saying that that loss falls on Campbell's shoulders because it doesn't. The, mm-hmm. There needs to be a little bit better production. Khalif Raymond looks pretty good. Mm-hmm. He, like I think, like we've said from the beginning, he's going to be their number one wide receiving option. Um, wide receiver option. Hawkinson's still going to be. He's he's been pretty quiet these past couple of games, but mm-hmm. I think I think teams are game planning around that, um, which is going to happen. Um, so he's going to have to, um, you know, there need to be other options. A, there's going to need to be other <laughs> options, but B, he's going to need to learn to work around being double teamed. And yes, so you know he exploded. He exploded and, you know, had his big numbers those first couple weeks. And that seems like, okay, we got a game plan around this guy. Um, But now you're going to have to depend on some of these other options. Mm -hmm. Um, But another thing, a a narrative I'm just sick of. You can look at Justin Fields, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. His line and say was pretty pedestrian. That guy in the first quarter completed his first nine passes. His first nine passes for 100 yards. Why on earth is it that every time the Lions play some rookie quarterback, they find their groove? I I have no answers for you. And this this I understand why my dad is so crazy, and every Lions fan is so crazy because this is literally the same story in a different in a different order. Mm-hmm. Sam Darnold, uh, Matt Flynn in Green Bay, Week Seventeen. Throws for six touchdown passes. The current Green Bay Packers record, by the way. Um, over and over. Heartbreaking loss. Week three against the Ravens. Not, 
the Ravens did that with another 60-plus yard field goal when they came to Detroit a few years before this past year, or the, before this current year. Why on earth does this stuff keep happening? What is Because it's head coaches have come and gone. It's new regimes every for the most part every time this happens. Why? What is what is it? I don't know. Do we have a goat around somewhere in our past? Because that seemed to work for Chicago. I, I letting the goat back in the stadium, the Billy Goat curse. Love that. Um, but I I don't know. Like because like I like I think with just almost every coach you can you can take away something that you really really enjoyed so like Caldwell he was a very players like players oriented coach he was a players coach right and so it was no surprise that Caldwell had the most success as head coach in this city now did he win the big games did he win the games that he you know did he win the games he should have won yes did he win the big games no and that was the problem that's what people were griping about but he put his teams in the playoffs two times in his tenure, and that is something that no Lions coach in the past 20 years can say. Yeah. Jim Schwartz was the most angry man in the NFL when he was <laughs> with the Detroit Lions, and so he had the fire, right? Was he a good head coach? Debatable. Pre- debatable, because he hasn't been a head coach since. Um, and also, that's a fun stat. I think the past, like, 10 Lions coach, give or take some, some, it's been a long time since a Lions coach has left the Lions as a head coach and accepted another job as a head coach. Because the rest of the NFL sees the dumpster fire they leave behind. No, I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you hundred percent. This, when Super Bowl 50 happened, uh, the Detroit, I still have the article. I have it saved. I'm going to have to try and find it in my house, but, uh, or pull it up on, on the internet. Um, uh, they did a 50 re- reasons why the Lions are the Lions, and it was, it it was beautiful. Maybe we should post that. We should post that link okay. on, on media's this week because it was, it was a masterpiece. And it had that was the first time I heard the stat that no Lions head coach since uh, the Barry Sanders era has been a head coach after he was a head coach of the Lions. Since the Barry Sanders era. I know it's been Jeez, that Louise. far. And that's a problem. I don't know. Like, then that's a management thing, which we have already talked about in the past. Um, but still, like, we pick up on these guys. Schwartz had the fire. Caldwell had the player support. Patricia had absolutely nothing. But Campbell seems to have this this relentlessness that you would want from any football team. But none of these guys know how to put it all together. Now it's early. It's week four. This team has no talent. It's probably it's probably the least talented Lions team we've seen since 0-16, frankly. Now, Goff is a better quarterback than anybody we had on that roster at that time. Um, but that was also Calvin Johnson's rookie year in the NFL, who Hall of Fame career. Mm-hmm. Um but I, the defense is still really bad. The offensive line is pretty good, but there's no weapons on the offensive side of the ball, um, or at least wide receivers. In this league, you need some sort of game-changing wide receiver because if you have a game-changing tight end, you're going to get locked down. And Goff is not a, Goff is not a game-breaking quarterback. He could be a pretty serviceable quarterback. Yeah. Um, but he's not. He's not a Matthew Stafford. He's not a Kyler Murray. 
He's not a Russell, and I get these are legendary guys, but I would even argue to say that he's not even a Kirk Cousins. I, I think I would go with – I would agree with that. Just – and we knew that going in, right? Like, all of us oh, were prepared, like, uh, Goff, we're going to have to struggle through the season with his quarterbacking and hope that the rest of the team can kind of make up for it, and they haven't so far. Yeah. And I, I want to say I don't think Goff has been bad. Goff is just is what he is. Yes, yeah. I, and I don't want to. I don't want to pin this on Goff because this is really a team thing. This team doesn't have any talent, and or you know, like has minimal talent. Has minimal talent. They're doing what they can, and we just kind of have to accept that. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I, I've heard some swirling rumors about how drafting Penny Sewell was a mistake. I don't necessarily agree with that um, because a he's a he's he's performed very well given his age. And given his age, you should be very excited for the way that he's performing. So not only do you have, like, oh, he's performed pretty good, but he's also this young. And that's really good to have when you're (laughs) playing such a physical position that is offensive line uh, in the NFL. Um, But, yeah, like they're saying, like, oh, he fell because everyone was trying to get a game-changing talent player. And it's like, no, this is the guy that they were targeting for since, since the beginning of the draft. And they're going to use him whichever he like whatever position he's going to be best at um so if you can have a really good offensive line you can clear some things up in your running game and then make the passing game a little bit more open as well to give more time to your quarterback and then they need to get a in this draft they need to get they need to go defense yeah it's very clear their cornerback depth is atrocious you and i could be playing quarterback for this team or linebacker I do not want give, to play linebacker. Give, give or take, Macy could play linebacker <laughs> for this team and do a pretty good job. Um, but, man, is the defensive side of the ball and just the inability to put every piece together. Bad. It's atrocious. It's, it's bad. bad. It's, it's really bad. bad. It's bad. All now, around bad. Now, they play the Bears on Thanksgiving, so you'd hope that that would be a win because Thanksgiving home game, you're going to have fans for the first time since the pandemic on Thanksgiving, which would be really, really nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think as long as Matt Nagy is with the Bears, they're going to be a mess. Um, but they'll win games because they have a, they have a talented, mostly talented defense. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Khalil Mack is light years ahead of anybody that we have on the defensive side of the ball on most teams, let alone the Lions. Um, and again, the Lions are still not favored in any game this year from the beginning of the year. And given their own four start, they will not be favored in any game give from here on out. So I said four wins, (sighs) maybe one, maybe two. I think, I think they'll beat the bears at least once and then they'll surprise, they'll surprise somebody, but it's just it's it's it's, not been good it's gonna be a rough however many weeks left we have of the regular season was it 17 weeks how many weeks do we have uh yeah it was seven it's it's 18 weeks 18 weeks weeks. okay 17 well okay yeah yeah so here let me who do they who do they play next week it's probably not gonna be very fun um but we're gonna look it up anyway uh, they play the Vikings next week in Minnesota. So they're a seven and a half point dog. 
that's probably not good. They play the Bengals the week after that at home. The Bengals have been surprisingly pretty good, and then they go to L.A. <laughs> to uh, play Stafford, so that's going to be just a heartbreaker. I kind of want him to drop like 50 on the Lions. Oh, I hope so. I want I just, it to be his revenge tour. Like, I, I wouldn't I, even be mad. Yeah. They'll have a shot against the Eagles at home, so that's a possible win. The Steelers aren't very good, but that's a road game. They go and play the Browns on the road, and the Browns... Isn't that something? The mm. Browns being the team that the Lions are chasing. Isn't that yeah, something? Yeah, that is bad. And then they play the Bears like on that. Thanksgiving. The Vikings again. They go to Denver. They play the Cardinals every year. They're, they're going to get bushwhacked. Uh, <laughs> the Falcons in Atlanta could be they they're kind of in the middle here they still uh, have home advantage though they do but st- uh, they just lost to Washington at home in Ooh. a shootout which I don't know if the Lions could be in a shootout but um and in the last two games they go to Seattle and then Green Bay uh cool. at home cool cool so <laughs> so a maybe two like a really hard maybe two Maybe I I think they'll I think they have the best chance against the Eagles and at home uh, they could squeak out one of those road wins against uh, against the Steelers or the who did I say um, uh, the Falcons and then, yeah so I was like it's the other bird what's the other bird one Falcons yeah. and I, I'm pretty confident that they'll beat the Bears at home all right well you keep I'm, that optimism well, yeah I so two wins <laughs> yeah. Two wins, three, maybe. Yep. Um, so yeah. Uh but I, I would like to I would like to talk about mm-hmm. something other that's not sad. Um so do you have any closing comments on our beloved cheese Macy? <laughs> <laughs> no, um I was just gonna comment on the amount of injuries that we have. Oh that too? That doesn't help. Yeah. Uh Taylor Decker is probably not gonna come back for week five. Uh turf toe for Frank Ragnow. Um, and Romeo Cora is oh, done yeah, for tore, the year. Yeah, he tore his because Achilles. Because he yeah, tore his Achilles. I totally that totally slipped my mind. He's our best pass rusher. Uh huh. This uh this tweet by Dan Miller, who's uh, one of the radio guys at um the Fox, uh, says the Lions have now lost their left tackle, Pro Bowl Bowl center, two best pass rushers, best wide receiver, guy who should be their best corner, and his backup. This was going to be a tough season from be- the beginning, and now it's just getting a lot tougher with these injuries, which that sums it up. You know, that, I mean, that tweet makes it seem like we have a lot more talent than we do, mm-hmm. but we have lost a large amount of players in the last two weeks, and it's not helping. It's definitely not helping. No, it's not, and especially when Okora was your best defensive option. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, not great. Not what you want. Nope. Uh, but we're we're hoping for the best. We're hoping for the best. Three wins. Here we come. At least we're not Jacksonville right now, which is another disaster of an organization with the Urban Meyer situation. But we're not a uh, Jacksonville podcast, so we're not going to talk about them. We don't have to worry about that. We don't have to worry about that. Um, yes. So in case you haven't noticed... Um, one of our De- beloved Detroit sports teams has finished their season. They have. On somewhat of a high note. They, I mean, they lost 2-3 to the White Sox. We kind of were expecting that. But they had a very exciting um, final uh, game of the year um, with all the majority of young players 
and rookies. So mm-hmm. Badu, Haas, I don't think Cabrera played. Condelario was out. And then Paredes, Daz Cameron. Um, there's a couple other guys. Both uh, Harold Castro, Willie Castro, and Victor Reyes were playing in that game, I believe. Um, and they pulled out a victory, um, which was very nice. Um, but I've been trying to pay attention to a lot of like the post-season like, like comments. Um, you've been getting... Um, you've been getting, you know, comments from Hinch, you know, how he's looked at this like team, looked at the off season, been, you know, very impressed with their, uh, with their development, which as we can see, their development was light years from, from their, uh, last few seasons. And I'm, I'm watching the wildcard game, uh, simultaneously. So I'm like trying to like focus all of my baseball attention on the Tigers, but the Red Sox just beat the Yankees right now. This was not a very exciting wildcard game. I was a little disappointed. What's the score? uh, Final six to two. Uh, Garrett Garrett Cole pitched and was uh, didn't make it out of the third inning. Um, So that's uh, quite that's quite a bit of money that you're paying him to uh, not pitch in your biggest game of the year. Um, Yeah, to play like rookie hours. Yes, yes. that's not good. It was it 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 was bad. Um, That's not good. He hasn't been the same since the crackdown of the sticky stuff. Um, but yeah, not exciting. Uh, also, also really bummed that there's no postseason patches on the side of the hats this year. They said it was a COVID reason. I don't buy it. And they're like, what uh, would, how not, would... En- not enough to like make for retail. Cause there's... Oh. oh, cause nobody's in the, nobody yeah. air quotes. Nobody's in the arena. No, 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 no. Or... They're talking about material. So like so like the material to get the patches and then gotcha. produce enough hats to sell the like the masses. Sure. They're like ah oh, like uh, materials are short. We yeah, it's COVID. Blah blah blah. I don't buy it. They can plan it better as accordingly. Um, but um, yeah. So regardless, because um, they still made like playoff hoodies and stuff. So okay, whatever. Um, it, it, I mean, it's a different material, but I, it's fine. It's okay. Whatever. It's fair. You have it's your fair. opinion. You just, we'll go forward. I'll sit on my soapbox. But um, no. For the first time in a while, we're, we're going into an offseason where we're very encouraged about this Detroit Tigers team. Um, we have some more milestones to be hit. Cabrera is, gonna, Cabrera is going to get to 3,000 hits within the first month of the season next year, so that's going to be Woo-hoo! really exciting. Um, Condelario finished tied for first in the Major League lead for doubles. I get it's a tie. It was a four-way tie, but the names that he tied with were uh, Bryce Harper, um, Whit Merrifield, Perennial All-Star, second baseman in the division, uh, and J.D. Martinez. So I'll take Condelario in a conversation with those three guys any day. Any day. I, I, don't, oh, yeah. I mean, I guess I care, like, oh, if it was, like, strikeouts, then I eh, don't really want that. But, like, an offensive stat where Condelario is in the mix with those guys, absolutely, I'll take that. So, mm-hmm. um, And they were talking about an extension with him, um, which is great because – Condelario, I, I personally love Condelario. He's he's my tiger, quote unquote, uh, for this team. Um, um, but his sometimes his advanced metrics don't look that great. He's a great defender, um, and his power numbers as far as like home runs and stuff have been down. But still, he led the league in doubles, so like that it evens out with his power numbers. But he's not like a, like a Manny Machado at third base. He's not like this. He's not a superstar caliber player, but he's a very important player that you'd want to have as a cornerstone for your team. Um, 
and a foundational piece for a championship team. So if you can sign him to an extension, um, that's you know that gives him the money that he deserves because he does deserve a pay raise from what he has. I don't know exactly what number it is, but he deserves a pay raise. But also, you could get him on a pretty team-friendly deal that will help you build a better roster around uh, the rest of the team. So um, that being said, uh, they're looking at three things. At least that's what Avila said. Um, they're looking at uh, a catcher, which they're probably going to have to get in the um, uh, trade market, is what I've heard from a couple of Tigers beat writers. Um, and they're looking for a proven starter and then a shortstop. Um, so Al Avila has come out and said that you know we're gonna we're looking to build uh, the roster for a championship team, um, but also we're not. He I think his exact words were not looking to spend drunk sailors money. Um, so take that as you will. But um, what a way ex- to put that! Right. What a what a comment. <laughs> it's <laughs> just just say we're not we're gonna be spending smart smart money, man. Like yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, so funny. I, I I I laughed out loud at that comment, but yeah, um, understandable. I hope that's not the guise of saying like, like we're, we're going to be spending big... no money, right? And I don't think that was because there was a couple quotes that like clarified what that statement said. Like you know, like a big a big free agent deal is not out of the cards um, for us. So that could mean the big free agent shortstop, the big arm that they're looking for to, the, to solidify this rotation. Because right now you got three pretty good starters that'll be in your rotation, being my Scooball and Manning, that are healthy. Then you have to fill out the back end, which Willie Peralta, I guess, could be your fifth starter because Boyd's going to be out uh, for at least the beginning of the year. And pitchers are going to get hurt all the time. Um, and then you're still going to have to find another certified starter and everybody's saying Justin Verlander. I hope it's Justin Verlander. It might not be. I know, I know that hurts coming from my end, but um, it might not be. Um, I'm thinking it will be. I I sure hope it is, but I've heard the name Eduardo Rodriguez thrown out a little bit. He's had a a down year, but his advanced metrics kind of uh, say that it's a, a bit of a fluke. Um, so he could be a guy that they could get at the cheap if they don't want Willie Peralta or if they want Willie Peralta and then somebody who isn't as expensive. But then you're mm-hmm. going to have to rely heavily on those young arms, which I'm not quite sure you want to do. So I just think the Verlander thing way, makes way too much sense. I think everybody in Detroit, at least the fans, think it makes too much sense. Um, and um, I'd be really excited once that happens. I'm, I believe that's going to happen. Macy, go away. <laughs> <laughs> go. Yeah. That, um. So, what was I? Where else was I? I feel like I'm rambling a little bit tonight, so I apologize. But um, it's okay. It's 11:30. Yes, it's 11:30. The number one free agent I think they're looking at is uh, is Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa has said he's not even going to sign with the Astros. He said that this was going to be his last year, and we need a shortstop desperately. A, yeah. A, a a solid shortstop. And Macy is now playing with her toy. Um, so this is, this is a, this is a disaster of a podcast tonight. Um, so that's going to be, that's going to be your biggest contract. And I think your main competitors were the Yankees, but the Yankees are always in everything. Um, I heard the twins. I don't, I, they had a really bad year, but also, uh, some of their best starters went down with injuries for, I think Kenta Maeda is going to need Tommy John. So 
he was he was uh in twenty in the twenty twenty shortened season he was a Cy Young finalist and now you're not going to have him for an entire year. I just don't think they're I don't think they can retool enough to compete. Um, so and then there's a couple other play uh, teams that I couldn't remember, but the Hinch connection possibly get Verlander over here too. Former teammates get them on board and mm-hmm. and boom, you have a facelift to that roster. With just two guys, and then honestly, sure. I think I think they could roll with Haas, and uh, I don't want to say Garno because that was definitely pretty f- a fluky. Even himself, he said like I don't know what's happening. I don't know how I'm hitting <laughs> these home runs. There is a quote, which I is the it. confidence you want in a in a player. <laughs> Well, a confident—is it a confidence issue? I don't think. Like, no, he's no, no. Major... I was yeah. teasing. I know no. it's very funny, and I like that he's self-aware. Yeah, but like, still at the same time, like, even he's saying, like, I've never hit like this before. So it's like, okay, yeah. maybe we shouldn't put all of our eggs in one basket there. Um, yeah. But I don't want Grayson Griner. Grayson Griner has proved that, like, eh, he's not really a major yep. league caliber player. Um, Eric Haas could be a guy. Um, I think he works better in a platoon role because we saw that he kind of. He was still pretty good for what he was, but he fizzled out a little bit at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I just the the catch the free agent catching market is pretty weak. Um, so you might get like an old guy. I don't know what Kurt Suzuki's um, contract status is, but that was a guy who crushed Tigers pitching for years, and he's still a pretty good um, catcher in this league. And he just, he just caught for Otani basically all year. Um, so I don't, maybe he can help the staff a little bit. And then we also get to get rid of Kurt Suzuki doubles at the end of the game that crush Tigers victories. Um, so yes, um, there's a lot of things that they could do. The Tigers are ready to spend. And I hope, I hope, I hope we get, a a reunion with Hinch and Correa, and then also a reunion in homecoming with Verlander. Cause I think as the season off season goes on, I mean, who's going to offer Verlander the contract that he wants? Not many people. Not many. I had a I had a horrible thought that maybe he would go to the Yankees, um, but given their performance uh, today, um, and not knowing what Garrett Cole is going to do, or maybe he would go and reunite with Garrett Cole and like be like, "Hey, you got to do this," and then he's fixed, and then the Yankees become uh, the evil empire again. I hope that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> Because I think, I think it's very clear, at least from like as soon as Verlander left Detroit, that he was like he's still thinking about Detroit, um, and I think it would. I, I don't know. Like I think it's like an, I don't want to say ego, but like, yes, he would get his money in New York. He'd get a competitive, he'd get a competitive team. But maybe how competitive you don't you don't really know because the Yankees have been kind of floating in this like wild card contender every year for like the past like five seasons a little bit. Um, but what's, what would fuel that player's ego more to have, to put on pinstripes and like be on an overrated club that's like has world series aspirations, but always seems to fall short of that or have this masterful homecoming of a franchise you help lift out of the basement and then potentially could help them lift lift them back into contention. I don't know. I, I don't, don't know what you choose. I don't know the answer to that. Depends on the maybe personality just, of the player, you know? Yeah, maybe he just ends up with the Dodgers again. <laughs> I don't know. 
And maybe the yeah. Tigers sign Max Scherzer or Zach Greinke or whoever. I got to look at this. I got to next week. I'm going to go into a deeper offseason uh, guide. Deeper dive. Deeper dive. But bottom line, we have some hope for this team going into the offseason, and that's the first time in quite some time. Mm-hmm. I like hope for Detroit sports. Who doesn't? That's uh, three out of four. <laughs> three out of four. What's the fourth that's not having any hope? Take a wild guess. Hmm. Uh, their colors have Honolulu blue and silver. Hmm. Yes. Yes, they do. Oh, oh yes. 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 Uh, that's, um, last comment on postseason baseball. If you don't watch postseason baseball, please do. Um, the last the last weekend of the regular season, especially in the American League, was an electric factory. I know that I watched, I think, every game of the Mariners series. I know they didn't make the playoffs, but, man, was that some exciting baseball. Saturday night's game was incredible. Um, the, uh, the Toronto Blue Jays understood their assignment. Now they played the Orioles at home, so the Orioles are the worst team in baseball. But they took care of business. I think they scored 100 runs in three games, like, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, and... Uh, they had to get some losses from the Yankees and Red Sox in order to make a tiebreaker. Um, they couldn't do it. But so that means the Blue Jays missed the postseason by one game. Do you? But do you remember a couple, couple weeks ago, maybe a month ago, how I was saying, like, if the Blue Jays don't make the postseason, that three-game set in Toronto where the Tigers won two of three is going to come back to haunt them? Yes, yes, you did. I do remember this. Our little psychic. I, I, the, or just good at predicting things. You, I, they were, they were one of the best teams down the stretch. They had one of the best run differentials in baseball, and you, you cannot lose. As good as the Tigers were playing, you cannot lose to a team like the Tigers once you're in a playoff hunt, especially at home, especially at home. And look what happened. And here we are. And here we are. Talking Watching about the outside a looking in. Boring Red Sox Yankees game. Yep. Boo. Alrighty. Moving on to uh the Pistons. Not a lot from them. Their first preseason game is tomorrow night at seven. Yes. Um so that'll be interesting. Uh the only bummer is that Cade Cunningham has a twisted ankle. They didn't say it was anything intense, so I'm not worried about it. I have no. seen people that are worried about it. I'm they, hoping they, it's just a one-time thing and not a not a trend. Well, an ankle injury is the most common injury in basketball, right? You know, right. So it's not a high ankle sprain, so he's fine there. So it's just, I mean, he's your he's your now he's your new superstar, so you're going to want to take care of him. You're going to want to take caution. So he might. I would assume he would play in the preseason, but he's probably not going to play all that much. Um, yeah. And they're, they're just going to throw him to the wolves, and he'll play as he'll play uh, in the regular season. But, again, I still think I'm excited for opening night just to finally see um, your bona fide superstar um, playing in a Pistons uniform for the first time. Um, and then also we've talked a lot about, like, the other sports, um, obviously, because we're a bit more familiar, but – um, and we're going to do a deeper dive with Red Wings hockey. Um, but the Red Wings have started their preseason. Um, and I feel like we, we dove in a little bit with the Pistons once they had the summer league and we were talking about 
Cunningham and Garza and Livers a little bit, um, but now with the preseason, mm-hmm. we'll we'll get a little bit more of a of a of that same feel as we as we get closer to the NBA season. So this will probably be the last week where we'll have minimal Pistons content. Um, yes, but because now I'm just, just like... thinking about the fact that Cade, Killian, Sadiq, Isaiah, and Jeremy Grant could be our opening lineup. That's that's nice. Just like picture that in your head for a second and bask nice. in that because I really like that. That's nice. I enjoy that. That's yeah. a fun time. Yeah. So have that as a tidbit for you for you to hold on to until we get to regular season. That because is a fun time. That is nice. That's so nice. Some some side notes um those three players that you mentioned, Bay, uh, Stewart, and um, Hayes, all got qualifying offers. Um, I saw uh, our, our man, Mr. Edwards, um, tweeted about that today, um, which I don't really – I guess I have to look into that more. Um, uh, In terms club, of what? Uh, like, they signed club options. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up again um, – because he retweeted it. It was like, well, wouldn't they be under contract? Um, so maybe it was like a, they upgraded their contracts, like a Garza situation, but a bit differently. Um, so all right. I don't I don't really know what that would be. Okay. So club has picked up uh, team options in the contracts of Sadiq Bay, Killian Hayes, and Isaiah Stewart. Um, so I don't know how long their contracts were, their rookie deals, but... I'm assuming they signed a rookie level deal and then they already picked up that option um, at the end of their contract for all three of those players. So I get that tells me that they're obviously with Bay and Stewart that they're okay. You guys are, you know, pretty significant pieces to this rebuild right now. So we're going to keep you around. And I've heard rumors of Killian Hayes that they don't like his development, but still like, um, again, the kid's 18 years old, Mm -hmm. right? From France. I think he's 19, but you know, close. And he played like two games last year. So <laughs> exactly. Let's give the boy some time. This um, is like his first real season. Yes. Um, but in other Pistons news, uh, the Nets traded Seku Doimbu. I don't. Even, I can't even pronounce his name. Dumboya. Dumboya uh, to the Rockets for a second round pick, and then the Rockets proceeded to cut Seku. So. There are opportunities there. There are opportunities there, but this tells me that everyone was like, oh, Troy Weaver doesn't like Seku. Like, yeah, he doesn't like Seku, and apparently nobody else does. <laughs> Yikes. So they'd rather they'd rather trade him and they'd rather trade him and cut him than keep him on the and the Rockets are bad. They might be the one team that are worse than the Pistons right now. Um They're not very good, and they cut this guy. And this is a guy who's He's not a bad player. Well, he's not. We, he, yeah. He's not a proven player. But All right, fair. Fair, fair. But still, nobody wants him. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's work ethic. I don't know if that's locker room press. I don't know what that is, but nobody wants him. And this was our first-round pick that we got assets for. So Troy Weaver is on to something. We've been saying that from the beginning. Troy Weaver is definitely on to something. And I'm excited for it because looking at the haul that they got for Seku, 
all of these second round draft picks, which we've seen have mm-hmm. turned into something for a Pistons team. Um, I, I'm not saying uh, Weaver is going to enter trust whatever he does, like Eisenman status, but the guy seems to know what he's doing right now, especially with some of the assets that were, we were thinking to ourselves, oh, this guy's going to be a cornerstone. It's like, nope, I'm going to trade him. We're going to get what we get, and no one else is going to want him. Because mm-hmm. when you look at it, we got a lot more for Seku than what the Nets just did, and the Rockets don't even want him. Yep. So our GM knows what he's doing, bottom line. <laughs> yeah. I think probably in the the four pantheon of GMs that we have, other than Iserman, I think Weaver's my number two in terms of, like, trust. Sure. You know, I would, I what would he's agree. doing. I, I think agree. Brad Holmes is just too untested. We'll put it that way, I guess. Um, he's also working with the Lions, so, like, the yeah. poor guy. Uh, and then we have Alavila. We don't need to get you on a soapbox again, so we can move well, right past that. He'll be at the bottom. But uh, he'll be at the bottom, and uh, Brad Holmes and uh, Dan Campbell will be at, like... <laughs> 2A N- and 2B. Yeah, no, they'll be, like, at, like, NA like status for at least this year i think they get i don't want to say they get a they don't get a complete pass this year but Mm -hmm. um they'll get some sort of a pass Uh, they have training wheels on right now okay the other the other guys do not and alavila until until he proves it to me seems like he doesn't know how to ride a bike (laughs) so but besides the point um let's let's talk about the red wings let's talk about the red wings what are you doing? Uh, uh, Macy was getting her nose into my hand again. I was holding up my hand, and she just swatted her paw at me. So, ah. um, but she, now she's just breathing into my microphone. But... <laughs> uh, Ben's gonna have fun with the audio on this one. Yeah, she's gonna. She's gonna. She wanted to make an appearance, so we do have a special guest this week. It's Macy. There we Macy? go. Nope, nope. Go over there. Come on. Um, but yeah, do you want to kick us off with the Red Wings? Because yeah. you've, you've been paying closer attention to the preseason than I have right now. Sure. And by paying closer attention, he means I watched one preseason game so far. Um... <laughs> oh, don't don't reveal <laughs> our secrets to the people. Come on. Uh, um, yeah, I think preseason has been interesting, to say the least. Um, I think that we've seen a lot from all of our young guys. Most of it good. Um, Mo Sider hasn't wrecked anyone yet, which I think a lot of people are disappointed by. But I also think he's now finally playing in the big boy league. And so he's facing other big boys. And so he's taking his time, which is fine. As If he stays healthy and stays consistently good on the blue line, which we've seen, he got a gorgeous laser from the top of the blue line the top of the power point or power play last game and i about wept because there were shades of lidstrom in that um oh easy not that i would that. ever ever compare the two because their games are so entirely different but to see competence on the blue line on the power play was like glorious mm-hmm. um speaking of power play we got four power play goals last game I did see that, yes. Now, do you remember last season what our power play was like at all? Uh, we scored never on the um, power play. We went 41 
I think 41, uh, 41 games. Not fun. Not good. No. Not good at all. Uh-uh. Um, so I think that's maybe the most exciting part to me is to see that aspect of this game, of the Red Wings game, get better, um, because we need that desperately. Uh, the other big highlight is Lucas Raymond. Um, you and yes. I did not coordinate this at all, but today both of our names have Raymond-inspired things on Squadcast. That is true. Um and so I don't know if that tells you, we never agree, like our names never coordinate ever out of the blue yes. without talking about them. And so for that to be a thing is, it means that that's what stuck out to us most this week in sports. Um, he, he was drafted as a playmaker and he's proven that he can also shoot, which I love. We need this. Um, he played on the wing of Dylan Larkin and somehow unlocked a lot. He, the amount of passing he had in front of the net cross seam was just gorgeous. I, I've used so many descriptive words in this last couple minutes, but, um, to watch that happen, to watch competent passing happen from somebody in a Red Wings uniform was very jarring in a good way, because that has not happened in a hot minute. Um, so I think he's making a case to make opening night. Yeah. And I'm fully there for that. I, I hope he makes it. I think we're both rooting for him to get that spot. Absolutely. Whether or not that will get past Blashill is a different question. Um, I don't think Blashill makes that decision, though. You don't think he has some say? I think he has some say. He has some say, but especially I, I with think... younger guys, the I development the... aspect. I don't think he has the final say in that, though. I guess that's. Eiserman's the GM of the team. He's the one that puts the roster together. And Blashill's at the end of the day, he's the coach. He's got a he's got a coach with what he what has. he's got. I know, but Bobby Ryan is also vying for a spot and has also been playing pretty well. Mm-hmm. No, Bobby so... Ryan's going to make the team. I think. Especially with Verona's injury, I think he's going to make the team. Yeah, I mean, no, I think he'll make the team too. It's, I think, it's the, is it? I think there's a lot of um, conversation of is it going to be Bobby Ryan or is it going to be Lucas Raymond? Like, there's a lot of back and forth for that. Really? Yeah. So, hmm. maybe not a lot, but a de- I've seen a decent amount of it. It's like one or the other is going to make the team. And the other one will be set to Grand Rapids. So I think Bobby Ryan's going to be a part of this organization for a minute. Yes, I think so too. But who is going to be there on opening night is a different conversation. Um, I think it should be Lucas Raymond. I would like to see the young guys out there yeah. having, a, having a time. I agree. Uh, yeah. I still don't think Valeno's going to make opening roster. Um, I, think, I don't either. I think he's going to have one more season uh, down in Grand Rapids, which... Or a majority of a season, depending on what injuries look like. Yeah, because this team will get hurt a bunch. Cause so that's, much. That's the MO. Um, I want to pull up this this quote from... Uh, I, I, I'm trying to guess. It's the guy that you follow a lot. Uh, Prashnan Ayer? Oh, Prashant Ayer. Yeah. That took me yeah. a minute. Prashant, yeah, I... yeah he's great. As king of as king of hard to pronounce names, uh, I butchered that one. Um, but no, he's got. I mean, we both we both like what he puts out. Um, but he he had this tweet um, 
and I was looking at it before the pod. He said, watching Lucas Raymond, I think his playmaking is the key to unlocking Dylan Larkin's scoring potential. Yes. I think not only does he think or does he need to make the opening night roster, I think he's got to be stapled to Larkin's wing. Um, this kind of combines what I've been saying for a little bit of period of time. Uh, I, I, I will defend Dylan Larkin as a top six forward. Uh, in this league until I am blue in the face. I do not care which roster he is on. With every roster, with the exception of Tampa Bay, I think he is a top six winger or top, or no, top six center or at least a top six winger on every roster in the league. I would agree. And I think anyone who argues against that really does not watch the game of hockey. Now, and I was thinking about how I was going to construct this as well on this on the drive back to this house. Um, Larkin isn't a talent. He's not. He's not a superstar in the in the grand scheme of things. He's like not that. a raw talent guy. I, I, in... I don't. Th- I don't think that's the right word. I I think just as as okay. far as I think as far as like sheer like superstar potential like. Crosby's, McDavid's, I mean, that goes without saying. Dreisaitl's, um, Malkin's, he, I mean, he's older. Ovechkin's, Stamkos. McKinnon's. McKinnon's. He's, he is not that guy. He's a step below. But also, those guys have support. I would compare Larkin to a Landeskog. They're different players, I understand. But as far as, like, talent level goes, I think Larkin is – I think – Larkin's better than a Landeskog, but he's kind of in that same tier. He's at the top of that tier, while Landeskog is like below Larkin, somewhere in the middle, kind of. He's whatever. an A tier, not an S tier. Bingo, that's the word. But yeah. even even with that, all of those guys have some sort of of uh, safety blanket. Uh, Connor McDavid is 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 center number one. Leon Draisaitl is center number two. And those guys score a, a bajillion points because they can lean on each other on opposite lines. Um, and how many teams have two uh, MVP caliber players on their roster? There's like four, if, if maybe three. Okay. Um, so McDavid has the support of Dreisaitl. McKinnon has the support of uh, Miko Rantanen, who's a purified, who's a, just a pure goal scorer. Stamkos, Kucherov. Braden Point, all those guys are freaks, right? Mm-hmm. Who is who is Larkin's support? There is none. There is none. So you have to put that into consideration. All of these other, like Boston, Brad Marchand, David Pasternak, uh, Patrice Bergeron, who's a very different player but still a superstar superstar level player in this league, is going to be the number one or number two center on Team Canada for this upcoming Olympics. All of these super good teams, these Stanley Cup contending teams, have another A-tier support for their S-tier player. Larkin is an A-tier player with no... With C-tier players. Essentially. Essentially is what I'm saying. So I think that quote... From last season. We're not talking about prospects currently. Right, right. I think that quote is very important. 
because maybe Raymond is a guy that can unlock exactly what he said, unlock some of Larkin's potential and then create this security blanket type of thing. I mm-hmm. think Zadina could be that way. I think Zadina needs a little bit more space. If you can create all sorts of space for all three of those guys on your top line, man, watch out. You're going to have a pretty fun, exciting top line that's going to be competitive with competitive. I'm not going to say overtake or yeah. or with a uh, with a uh, Edmonton top two line, a Colorado top two line, a, a Tampa. We're not going to get run out of the building by Tampa Bay anymore if that right. line clicks. Right. Um, and I think if that if they, if your line is Zidino, Larkin, Raymond, if that's your first line, then you have your second line with the Guelph connection, which is uh, Bert, Fabry, and Verana. Right. Once no, Verana, uh, who was the other guy? Who am I thinking of? There was a suitor. They were all suitor. Suitor. There we go. If you had that line and it locks in and it clicks. Yeah. That is two serviceable, decent, uh, decent scoring lines. Like those are two lines that can keep you from getting blown out of the water seven to zero. That's playoff contending lines. Okay. I think. No, I, th- I, I'm even with Verona's injury. I think if you have those guys, if, this is all contingent on if Raymond is as good as advertised because I personally yes. think we are on the same page that he has played well enough. Like he looks like he knows what he's doing, but he deserves a the, shot. He deserves is a what shot. we're saying. At the end of the day, he's still an undersized forward. Mm-hmm. How is his size going to translate when he's not playing preseason games? Yep. Um, and that's what Mo on his blue line is for. Sure. Sure. I'm and kidding. You, well, even so, we have to think about that dynamic too. Laddie is a, probably going to be one of the best defenders on this team. And then mm-hmm. Cider, hopefully, is going to live up to the hype. And yep. I think he will um, mm-hmm. because he's had enough seasoning and everywhere he's been, he's been the best player on the team. We talked about that last week. Um, so if Raymond is the is the next piece to pushing this team forward, I say absolutely give him. Let's just do it. Give him a shot. Now, if he doesn't make the opening night roster, this should tell Red Wings fans, it's like, like we need one more year. Mm-hmm. We need one more year to get where we want, yeah. get more talent on this roster. But I, I'm going to sit here and say, and, and maybe that's just the impatient with the other sports creeping in. If if we think that this is, this is what it's going to be like, like if this is going to be our core, start it now. I don't, I don't want service time. I don't want... Uh, no, let's just get it going. And I think we've been pretty encouraged seeing how Raymond has played. He played well in the prospect tournament. He translated that well into the preseason. Um, and if he can unlock what we Red Wings fans think Larkin can be, get let, let's go, let's go. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see some exciting sports in the winter in Detroit. Yeah. And I think there's. A, it's just another one of those things. It's like at what point does air quotes, development, player development, stop and then stifle, you know? Like, we don't want these guys to be stuck in the GR pipeline playing AHL minutes and then not actually getting NHL experience in the way that they need to develop. I would rather have them play a couple rough months and get the experience and get the time in an actual NHL setting and then figure it out and piece it together and work from there rather yeah. than them spend another two years in Grand Rapids. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So we will hope 
At least that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. I'm hoping that's how it, how it shakes out. Again, yeah. I'm not... <laughs> neither of us are developmental coaches and or GMs of NHL leagues or teams. So <laughs> We're fans. And maybe yes. maybe if Raymond makes the opening day roster and they send Valeno down, which I think we're all in agreement that will most likely happen, maybe that'll yeah. be extra motivation for Valeno. And I think mm-hmm. I don't think we can I don't think we need to question Valeno's work ethic because I mean look at how the dude has completely bulked up this offseason. That's there all are they, so they, many jokes. That's all they can talk about. <laughs> I mean, that's literally <laughs> the only thing they can talk about. And yeah. you add you add, hey, this guy that got drafted couple of years after he made the team before you did on opening night roster, what are you going to do about that? He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to freaking get it. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to kick some arse, but not arse because <laughs> hockey players are not that polite. Yes. Yeah. I, I hope it lights a fire under him. I would love him to see, I would love to see him make the, make the show and kill it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I don't know. I'm, I'm Uber. Uber excited for I just I feel like our our prospects are coming out of this pipeline and it feels like the pipeline has a cap on it still and yeah. it's just like building pressure building pressure building pressure and it's going to explode and it's going to be awesome mm-hmm. and that's what I'm ready for is the explosion part we're ready I'm I'm saying I'm I'm doubling down eight seed okay we're getting it you're welcome to that opinion eight I'm not seed, there yet eight seed will get swept in the first round well, I guess that's fair, but yeah. I'm still I still don't know if we're even going to get eight seed. Well, or I'll if believe. I I want to get eight seed, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> I'll I'll believe for you. How Thank you, that? appreciate it. Um, one other thing before we wrap up uh, that we kind of wanted to bring attention to, um, over yeah was it yesterday? Two days ago? Time two is irrelevant. Ago. Uh, two yeah Sunday night. Um, Robin Leonard the goalie of the Las Vegas Golden Knights had a series of tweets um leave his Twitter I, that was a really weird way of saying that um tweets. he tweeted out a, he tweeted a couple a couple things um mostly calling out the Buffalo Sabres for their treatment of Jack Eichel um mm-hmm. long story short Jack Eichel had a pretty serious back injury um he has a herniated disc currently herniated or ruptured one of the two ruptured is worse right I don't know why I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Anyways, something with a disc in his back is bad and painful and not good for hockey playing. Um, there are two schools of thought within this. One side being Jack Eichel and the other side being the Buffalo Sabres front office. Um, he would like to try having a surgery that is a replacement operation um, as opposed to what the front office would like, which is a fusion surgery. Um, I don't know all the details of these things. I know that the fusion has is, is tried and true and has been happening for years and years and years and years. Um, the Jack Eichel one is more new. It's not like super experimental, but it's newer and less proven. Um, the problem with the spine fusion one is that there is, you know, you're, you're literally fusing your spine so you have less mobility. Um, it causes problems later when you're older, those sorts of things. So Jack has rejected that surgery and is really vying for and really trying to get this uh, m- newer surgery, this replacement surgery. Mm-hmm. 
all of that has been happening for months. A couple weeks ago, he was stripped of his captaincy for it. The Buffalo Sabres are a trash fire. Um, but last night, Sunday night, Robin Leonard tweeted out saying that he was in support of Jack, saying that he, you know, shame on the Buffalo Sabres organization um, for not allowing him to do this or giving him the option. Um, and then he, I mean, he's got a vendetta against the Sabres just in general. Um, he also tweeted uh, two pictures of himself when he had an ankle injury um, when he was with the Sabres and talking about how they treated him and how it wasn't properly treated. Um, and then he tweeted a picture of like his swollen ankle and then him looking dead in the eyes, um, pre- presumably on some very high pain medication slash drugs. Yeah. Um, and this kind of, after that was tweeted, he kind of went into the, uh, the fact that historically team doctors, uh, have prescribed, um, benzos and uh anxiety medication and really high um pain medications to players without prescriptions at all um this isn't a new thing you know we we've all known that um that tortle has been a, a a shot that players are given before games especially during playoff season because they're they have this warrior mentality of you need to stick it out and play for the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was just calling attention to that and kind of explaining his own experience and um, saying, I have more stories. If the NHL doesn't do anything, I will release one a day until something happens. Um, which them's fighting words and I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, because he's somebody who has been banging the drum for years. He's a huge mental health advocate. He... Um, you know, he's always player first. Um, and so I know that he's been doing stuff behind the scenes and like trying to ask for help quietly and like trying to get options within his organization and within the NHL and like get to Gary Bettman's office office yeah. and just hasn't. And so this finally did something finally blew, um, blew the doors open to the office and, and Gary was like, yeah, come on in. Um, and so, they did actually have a chat and talk about an investigation into some stuff, um, talking about how they will hopefully implement some stuff. The thing I did find interesting mm-hmm. was that a condition of the NHL doing this is that Robin Leonard can no longer be public about his complaints. He has to do it privately. Hmm. <laughs> so. I don't know how well that's going to go over. N- so in in the article that I'm reading... Um, he seemed very optimistic. Leonard seemed very optimistic for how it was going. Um, I didn't watch it live, so I couldn't, you know, judge by facial expressions or tone or inflection or anything, but based on what this article is saying, the words that he used seem very optimistic. Um, I, part of me wants to be hopeful that this will actually cause some change. The other part of me knows that, uh, PR stunts are a thing and that this could all just very well be a, we'll take your complaint, please shut up and sit down. And then it'll, nothing will change. And they'll just keep saying, we're changing, we're changing, we're changing. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to butt in real quick. Go for it. So I, I agree with the, 
if this were anybody else making this complaint, um, I would agree that it could be like one of those like PR, like cover up, okay, shut up, don't talk anymore. That will not fly with Robin Leonard. No, and that's what I'm saying. I'm thinking that like if the NHL tries to do that, he's immediately going to go to Twitter and not 100%. care if he gets fired. He will 100%. not. He's. I don't think that he would care. A hundred percent. I I agree. And I. Uh, sorry, I don't want to cut you. No, off. keep going. I I really like Robin Leonard a lot. I think mm-hmm. he's. I think he was one of like the first people that's like active players i should say that started like actively like you said actively speaking out on like key issues like mental health um player safety he talked about uh some COVID stuff not like conspiracy theory whatever but like i think once the vaccine was available in the playoffs like they he talked about how the nhl policy wasn't any different for vaccinated players as opposed to not vaccinated players and Mm -hmm. the league answer that he got was oh we want to like that would be a competitive edge and he was mm-hmm. talking about, like, what the heck does a competitive edge mean in this case? Like, we've been locked. Like, he essentially was saying, like, we've been locked to our hotel rooms this whole season. Like, we yeah. got to be able to live our lives at some point. And even if we're, like, and he was saying, like, as to the vaccinated players, we got the thing that they got the thing that they want. So why wouldn't they be able to go and do more things? Because they have this protection, mm-hmm. quote unquote. Um, so he's a very no-nonsense kind of guy. Yeah. and it's very clear that this this guy does his research on mm-hmm. all aspects. Yeah. Um, and it, the fact that he is saying something about this, one, you could look at it the way he does not have a good relationship with the Buffalo Sabres. This has gone back for, you know, since I think since he made it to Long Island, uh, he first said, yeah, the Buffalo Sabres treated me like crap. They didn't care about my mental health, all this stuff, um, which showed in his performance on the ice. And mm-hmm. then once he got the Islanders, he was like, a Vesna caliber goalie. Um, but on the flip side, he's been right about all of these uh, assumptions, accusations that he has been making. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that he is a getting this research and B getting the attention of the league shows that there's something going on here with this. Yeah. Um, and I'm super excited to see um, what happens with all of this. And I, I know we talked a little bit about like, you know, athletes putting whatever in their bodies. And that was like a, a huge, um, a huge reason, uh, or argument against, uh, believing that athletes don't want to put like the vaccine, uh, in the mix of things because, oh, they're taking all these painkillers. Well, this is an example right here. Robin Leonard is like, uh, I don't like that. They put these painkillers in my body and I'm going to speak out against it. I think a lot of the issue is that players are not educated. Sure. They're but typically when they're given these shots, um, I'm specifically talking about title. Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. Anyways, vitamin T is what they call it. Yeah. Um, when we're talking about that drug, it is not meant to be taken more than, more than five days in a row. Sure. If it starts, if you use it more than five days in a row, you can start having internal issues. Um, uh, and so like the, in the heat of the moment, you, you come in from a second period, you just got a giant, uh, slap shot to the thigh. You think your leg might be broken, but you got to go back out there because you got to play for the boys. You're not going to listen to a doctor saying, Hey, in 60 years, if you take this for more than five days, you might have Crohn's disease. You're not going to listen to that, mm-hmm. right? You're just going to be like, is this going to take my pain away? And can I win this game? Sure. 
and that is the issue is that in the in the heat of the moment players are not asking those questions and doctors are not supplying them right sure. their their doctors are not saying hey you need to sit this out because it's going to affect your long term thing and that's not something that needs to happen in that game that is something that needs to happen outside of the outside of the ice in team meetings in locker room meetings you need to have people come in and, and, and talk about those things because these guys aren't going to be done with their, most of them are going to be done with their careers by the age of 37, mm -hmm. you know? Unless you're Ochara. Okay. Well, him aside, um, you are going to have another, hopefully a good 40 to 50 to 60 years left to live, right? You're mm -hmm. not, that is so much more time than the one third that you spent playing hockey maybe not even the third, maybe even a tenth of your time, you yeah. know, playing hockey. You have to you have to watch your kids grow up. You have to, you know, have, have grant not have to, but you know what I mean. Like traditionally you have kids and you have grandkids and you have a, a career afterwards and you, you do stuff with your life that requires your body. Um and the unfortunate thing is that they these players are not being told to look forward. Mm -hmm. Um I watched the like 25 minute documentary um the problem of pain that uh tsn did um where they interviewed ryan kessler bobby ryan and kyle quincy um and a couple other former players but those are the three that i remember mostly because bobby ryan and kyle quincy are um, yeah red wings and they were just talking about how their drug cocktail affected their lives and how it affected their body ryan kessler can't get out of bed sometimes because he had he used vitamin t so much that it gave him crohn's disease eventually that he like now cannot play with his seven-year-old kids like he yeah. and he's in his early 40s or something late 30s like he has the issues of a 75 year old man mm -hmm. and he's half that age yeah. so i it's i'm really hopeful for this situation to produce something Especially, like, in in the interview that I was reading, Robin Leonard just kept bringing up, like, the young guys, the young guys, the next generation. Like, he was just so adamant that he wanted the NHL, which he loved, in, air, in quotes. Like, he's like, I love this league, and I want it to be better for the next generation. Sure. And if you have a guy that's fighting through the fear, like he was talking about, he's like, it was scary to tweet that stuff. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. I love playing hockey, and I don't want to stop playing hockey, but... I think it was worth the risk. If you have a guy who's fighting through that fear, a guy who knows his stuff, who researches, saying these things, and hopefully will pull some other players and some other people with him, I'm 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 hopeful for some change. Yeah. I am not completely positive that will it will happen at the rate that all of us probably want, both in you know in player safety as as mental health and physical like both of those aspects because both of those are crucial to to the game and to a human being's life yeah um but i think it's a good first step i just mm -hmm. wish that the the nhl didn't move at the pace of frozen molasses that's fair I, I agree with all that you're saying here. I, I just have a thought, and I'm going to mm -hmm. use one of my, obviously, one of my favorite movies. You know the scene from Miracle where, I, I can't remember which player it was, but he has like that, he has the bone bruise, right? Yeah. And it's like super painful. And so 
Herb Brooks is like, can he play? And he's like, mm-hmm. well, he's in a lot of pain or yeah. whatever. And it's like, well, will he like, will he hurt it worse if he plays? And it's yeah. like, no, but he'll be in a lot of pain. It's like, all right, yeah. we'll suit up. So like, we all love to hear the stories of like all the NHL players, like in the, in the Stanley cup playoffs, like oh, I wrote play- a list. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wrote a list of players, but sure. continue. But, oh, they played with a broken foot. Carlson played with a broken foot. Uh, Steve Eiserman, just right. in general. Steve Eiserman had a torn ACL or like all these guys play through like these, these crazy, crazy injuries. Mm-hmm. Now with that, and as the league progresses and like, you're not going to take some of these medications that would kind of stink to like have these players not play through these and like have like these heroics. It's like, Oh, that's so cool. Like, but like at the end of the day, you're caring about these players, like long-term safety. However, yeah. I would like to think like, cause at the end of the day, Still in the moment, I think every player is going to, or not every player, majority Most of players, players will muscle are, through, are not even muscle through. They're going to do whatever they can to keep playing. Yeah. Even with this new information out there, I think still in the NFL, you see guys yeah. trying to play through things, especially in the, in something as high stakes as the playoffs. Um, so maybe like you'll see more protection in the regular season come playoff time. I mean, it'll be the no guts, no glory mantra mm-hmm. going through which isn't going to help long-term health, but like in a situation like a Jack Eichel off season recovery and regular season injuries are going to be careful or going to be handled with much more care. I, I find it very hard pressed to believe that postseason. I mean, I think it would get a little bit better, but still at the end of the day, they're going to be like, yeah. It's it's that hard dichotomy of that warrior mentality, right? Because you have the, like, yes, we love watching those stories. We love seeing those things happen. Front office loves it. The team loves it. And almost to a point worships the guy who fights through that. And then on the other side, you have the, okay, but deep down, what is that costing him? Yeah. At Deep down at the end of the day, this is a game. Mm-hmm. And I love this game, but yeah. not at the cost of people. Um, and I think it's, it's going to be a hard fight. I think it's going to be a hard road, especially for hockey, just by the nature of the game. Um, I think another important thing that happened this year is Simone Biles stepping back from the Olympics. Like, I know that doesn't directly impact the NHL, but that directly impacts sports and that directly impacts how players see their sport. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Team USA has a long history of abusing their girls and abusing the women on their team for the medal and for the money. And for her to take that step back opens up another door for other gymnasts, but also for other athletes to take a hard look at their situations and go, is this worth it in the long run? I yeah. I may love this sport and I may love playing and I may love my team, but is it worth it in the end for me to destroy my body and my mental health in order to win this one thing that in the light of eternity for you and me, but in light of the rest of my life for everybody else, doesn't actually matter all of that much. Mm-hmm. That's what happened with uh, Druin, Jonathan Druin for the Canadians. He sat out this season because of uh, like anxiety induced, like some, some sort of anxiety based uh, issues that he was dealing with. Uh, Jonathan Taves, I, I think he had a, um, he had like a, um, 
immune system thing going on, which makes sense uh, why you wouldn't want to play in a global yeah. pandemic. That's fine. I, don't, I think everybody will give you a pass. Um, but even Bobby Ryan uh, was his recovery process wasn't just physical. It was it was mental. I mean, he had he mm-hmm. overcome an alcohol addiction. Um, and with hockey, you're probably going to have the strongest... You're exposed to so many addictive things. <laughs> well, not even addictive things, but I think alcohol is the most prevalent out of the four majors in hockey. Would you agree? Yeah. Yes. Or some, some, some sort of thing like that. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think you hit it right on the head. Simone Biles is probably the most high profile, but mm-hmm. uh, I think a guy like Druin maybe would have come out after the year to say, oh, I was dealing with this like lower body injury. But no, we have the details. It was, a, it was an anxiety-based mm-hmm. something. Um, so no, I think you hit it right on the head. I think uh, it's going to take some time, um, and I think the regular season of most sports will be affected. But at the end of the day, um, and I guess a bit selfishly, I would be a little bit sad to see like the like like the players like you don't hear these heroic stories of overcoming like the human the human uh, condition, but also like players are going to like choose their livelihood over everything. I mean, that's exactly what happened with Zetterberg, right? Mm-hmm. His last season, he didn't even practice because of his back. And he's like, I have a couple of years on this contract, but if I keep playing, I'm not going to be able to play with my kids. And that's something I want to do. So yeah, I think they'll be treating it more seriously. But still, in the meantime, while they're playing, I think they're going to play to the best of their abilities. But there's their careers. Careers, this is my, this will be my take. Careers will be shorter but maybe in the middle of their careers, I don't necessarily think like there will be drastic change. There'll be a little bit. There'll be some players who take things more seriously, like a Robin Leonard or other people. But mm-hmm. um, shorter careers with more conscious regular season uh, health care. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, too long didn't listen. We'll see what happens to this Robin Leonard thing investigation yeah. slash partnership with the NHL. Who knows what's going to happen? Honestly, love, we'll keep Robin you updated Leonard. as we know. We're just a fan of listening to him talk on Twitter. So He's great. Um, that is all that I have. Did you have anything else you would like to add? No, it's late. We got to. Yeah, I get, need to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, it is 1222. <laughs> yes. The next day we recorded We started recording yesterday. Yes. Um, Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. Um, feel free to give us a follow on all of our social medias. We are CNC Sports Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, we have an email address with the same URL. Um, if you want to follow either one of us, our socials are tagged in those profiles of our pod uh, socials. Feel uh, Remember to subscribe and rate us five stars. That really helps us reach a wider range of people. And... Yeah, uh, watch playoff baseball. The Pistons' first baseball. game is tomorrow, and the Red Wings start soon. So, yay, sports. Be on the lookout for our social media. We're going to link that Lions article that we were talking about earlier. It's I, it's a doozy. You are going to learn some things that are just going to make you disgusted, laugh, and also cry a little bit. So, All right, everybody. Bye. Good night. Hey everybody, this is Noelle. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the CNC Replay. Please subscribe and rate us five stars as it really helps us out. And give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at CNC Sports Pod. We'll see you next week.